In this episode, Ryan and I look back over 2022, and we beat up a little bit on economists and financial planning in general, but we had fun doing so. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. Here we are in December 2022. This will be our Christmas episode. And uh, Last episode of the year of 2022? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the next one will be New Year's, a New Year's episode. Hence the uh, stylish hats. Yes. Yeah. And the beautiful Christmas tree. Set does look nice. I, props to the AV gentlemen for throwing all that together. Yeah, no question. They do work hard. They make it look easy, I know, but it's a lot of work back there. All right, so Mr. Griggs listened to uh, music on the way down, so he <laughs> showed up empty-handed. <laughs> of uh, No, I, I did take time to like sort of reflect back on the year. I mean, this is a you know Christmas episode, finally, uh, final episode of the year. Thinking about this year in relation to the previous years, of course, much better this year than... 22 and 21 because we can go to private businesses and get on planes and travel and exercise those little freedoms we used to have um, so I think it, but to be positive is a, a good year it's a great year and okay. better I mean business wise I'm very thankful that things are improving each year and um, wonder why that is I mean, don't jump over that because, mm. you know, we're in the life insurance business. We write life insurance. And I want to spend a moment here because I talk to a lot of younger people, not even younger people. I've talked to a lot of people that are either new or want to get into the life insurance business. Yeah. And uh, they always focus on the pay, mm-hmm. you know, which commission, you know, is a bad word in the English language, but... We all get paid mm-hmm. some commissions, you know, some salaries, distributions, whatever it's called. Um, and so that's the reason I kind of want to bring it out. You know, why do you think your business is getting better each year? Which it should, right, if you're doing the right thing, in my opinion. But I just, yeah. can you expand on that? I have some initial thoughts. I don't know if I'll, if I have the full answer, but I think part of it has to do with the podcast has been out. You know, just more and more time, and that just compounds over time. Um, it's not as uh, frequent as some of like you know, like those those daily world events shows that, uh, or even weekly, right? I'm on every other week, maybe more time. So, and like I said at the uh, client event in October, I mean, I really don't like to repeat myself, and. Uh, <laughs> Well, some people in the back can't hear sometimes. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we talk about the arrival syndrome and, you know, continuing to push the frontiers of knowledge and understanding. And I've got the PhD programs. I like to think that when I come to speak on these uh, episodes, that there are new and interesting things that add to what's already been said. And then as that accumulates over time and people have the opportunity to find the podcast or eventually find the podcast and go through all of that, like so many of our people do go and watch everything sometimes more than once. Uh, I think they get an opportunity to get to know me. I mean, I've had s- several clients who over the past couple months in particular, like, you know, I, f- I feel like it's, it's, 
not unfair, but unbalanced. It's like I they're telling me that they know who all about me, and I don't sure. know anything about them. And sure. it's like that's true. I'm catching up, you know. So there's lots of questions, <laughs> and uh, so all that all that helps. But then I think what has surprised me most, and I think has been uh, a big part of the ongoing growth, has been the mechanic series, mm. the whole life insurance mechanic series from the perspective of Nelson Nash's infinite banking concept on my YouTube channel. I mean, I did that because I was, <laughs> it's not like, a. I didn't have this, you know, generous, like it, it wasn't, I wasn't going out to do good in the world. Really. It was just, I got, I'm kind of getting tired of repeating the same stuff all the time. Mm. And, <clears throat> So I did that series to put it all together systematically mm-hmm. uh, and deeper than I usually can. You know, it's eight hours long. I'm not going to spend eight hours on the phone just prior to applications with every new client. You know, right. that that's yeah. a lot. And yeah. to add slides and the bullets and all that adds rigor and more sequential and more systematic. And a lot of people have said a lot of nice things about that. Uh, which is great. And I, so I think that's helped people a lot. And those people who like that style, who want to learn, who for, for whom that sort of a attraction oriented kind of presence in the market a more educational oriented presence in the market is appealing. They, you know, they come and get in touch and perfect. You know, I, I don't, but don't do any of the cold calls or the spam emails or the, Gosh, we were just before I won't say names, but you know, we watched and God bless them, everyone's trying their best. But you are they? And, well, every <clears throat> everybody knows when you go on social media, you go on YouTube or TikTok or and someone just wants to sell something, you can tell. And it's really obvious. Yeah. And it's painful. Uh so I don't know. I I mean it it imputes back to you and then to Nelson. It's like I caught it and it makes sense and this is the right financially. This blends so well with what I've learned and teach in Austrian economics. It, it It is capital theory practiced and implemented at the individual level. I had a client this past week, private equity guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are selling life insurance and the kind of person you would think would never even be interested is executive C-suite private equity and is telling me about how when he hears me talk that we the the mindset is so similar yeah i'm like well yeah of course but of course you know of course somebody who works in that line of that line of business would understand the value of control over an access to capital of course and who doesn't want this regular upward pressure on their net worth every year for the rest of their life like yeah that all lines up um I'm so I, I like that. <clears throat> um, we keep going. So. Well, those are some initial. I mean, I think that's why. And excuse me. Um, you know, next year the book will come out. Uh, I think that'll help more as well too. I mean, you you've got such a heavy emphasis on ongoing service with the team here in Alvarado, and. I'm absorbing that as well. I mean, the team's expanding. I've hired an assistant. Her name's Vicky. Some of you who are my clients, you'll be hearing from her. Um, I think service is critical, and that's a whole op- a whole frontier of opportunity for ongoing improvement. 
Uh, there's some projects that we all announce in the new year that will add another layer to what it means to have a service relationship with a you know a life insurance salesperson, but your IBC coach, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, the point being, the, I think the future looks great. There's opportunity for even more improvement. Uh, and I think the more, I think one thing that I want to, I just signed up for that uh, International Association of Registered Financial Consultants. Mm -hmm. Total mouthful. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another designation or affiliation. Uh, yeah, not that I care, right? But it, they do publish well, the Journal of Personal Finance. And of course, you can't read the journal unless you join the organization. So I joined the organization. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk more to, not necessarily for the sake of it, but we have IBC, and then there's this sort of a distinct, in some sense, domain of financial planning. And financial planning has this big old long history, and... It, they're, you know, they've got the slogans and the the sort of their own history of ideas and the trademarks. Yeah, all the for. stuff, you yeah. know. And I want to get into that further, and br and bring an IBC informed kind of perspective to it in an academic setting. Yeah, that it needs and, to happen. Yeah, I know Nelson was <clears throat> wanted that to happen. Well, he's very excited when Bob Murphy got involved with the Nelson Nash Institute and so the Austrians could get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't the problem, the problem, the problem right here is a solution at the enemy level kind of deal. Yeah. That is exciting. If people catch it, I think, I think one error with that approach mm -hmm. was pursuing Austrians in particular. No question. Yeah. There are a lot of, how far are we into this? I don't want to make my Austrian brother, brethren, you know, overly angry. All but. four of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I love the Austrians. They have a, Never mind. Keep going. Yeah, no, closer than most. They're all great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there are many who I have clients who are professors. Yes. Who maybe they've got a business degree, or maybe they uh, are in psychology, or maybe they're in some related fa in finance. Maybe they're in a related, not economics mm -hmm. per se, mm -hmm. or maybe they are in economics in particular. But they don't go to the events. They wouldn't, you know, they don't wake up in the morning and say, God, it's a great day to be an Austrian economist. Yeah. You know, but they, but the ideas are amenable. You know, I think there's this guy, uh, Andreessen, uh, he's on Twitter, Mark Andreessen, Martin Andreessen, I don't know. Hedge fund manager, very wealthy. He will tweet about Ayn Rand and Henry Hazlitt. Mm hmm. It's like, okay, well, is he going to call himself an Austrian? Well, I don't know. Well, the underlying ideas are there. You know, and so, and it, 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 I had a, in fact, this was a private equity guy. He was at, he's like, I went to the Mises.org website and I looked for Nelson's book. I couldn't Could find, he find it. it. Yeah. What? Why was that? Yeah. Was he shocked? Kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course it should be there. I mean, my, my thing to him was, you know, well, they're very particular about not, you know, appearing to support anybody, any particular donors enterprise or oh, talk about activity so <clears throat> yeah 100 year anniversary of uh of uh mises was celebrated in austria vienna austria mm -hmm. some years ago nelson was there i had the pleasure of going my wife and i his beautiful wife and uh 
he was the largest and he was very proud of it. So it was the Austrian, or, I mean, the Mises supporters, right? And I know him just, okay. Um, he was very proud of the fact that he had the largest, like showing the largest group. Yeah. There. Well, significant it, donor. I mean, part of the sales from of becoming your own uh, banker went to Mises, so. Over the, a long period of time, yeah. significant donor. Okay, so. And we've met, I've talked about Gary North in the past. I mean, he's passed away now, but I mean, he's very prominent in Mises circles and was viscerally against both IBC and Whole Life, and you might as well throw in the people who no. sold Whole Life. <clears throat> Absolutely. He, yeah. he was repugnant toward life insurance individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea that there are, that IBC is Austrian economics in action, I mean, I would certainly agree with that. There are others who would not agree with that. Uh, sometimes Probably I think, Austrian, huh? Yeah. We use the, <laughs> you know, we use these terms that refer to groups, you know, Austrian economists, Austrian economics people or whatever, and you kind of assume that that means that they're on board with a lot of the same ideas, and that's just mm. <clears throat> not the case. Right. Uh, I mean, even with within IBC, you know, you get people who maybe they're IBC practitioners or maybe they use the language of IBC online, and, mm -hmm. you know, the assumption is, well, you know, one IBC guy's the same as the next one. And it's like, yeah, no, maybe probably not. So it applies in the Austrian world. One Austrian is not the same as another Austrian. So, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. But my point is, like, I think there's, I think there's points to be made, like, for, uh, to be particular. The idea that the role of the financial professional, like what that, what the financial professional does, the, the actual value add is poorly defined if at all in the industry like it so often it, i get the it's very very broad right like i mean it's like too broad so broad it's might as well not even be defined kind of thing <clears throat> like i'm here to help you achieve your financial goals yeah it's like what does that mean and and what is it what well, product are you going to sell me yeah well and why do you what yeah. makes somebody think that the individual has the right financial goals you know, like maybe part of what a financial professional should be doing is help determine what those goals should be. Like the idea that, you know, I've got to have X. Oftentimes, if people are pushed, you know, what's my financial goal? It, that's always framed, especially at the big four, in, in terms of X amount of dollars per year in this model. Right, I'm going to save a certain amount. In or out, or both. A certain amount of dollars in, so it can produce a certain amount of a dollars certain out. Outflow at, at a, a certain, certain time period. Yeah. yeah, until some mortality date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. All of which, yeah. what, like, is that the right way to think about? Like, wouldn't more be better? Like, why would you want to pin to a particular number? And and then of course that framework all implies the standard accumulation framework, you know, max out your tax qualified plans and then go get the, go get more tax qualified plans outside of the employer framework. And then, well, and then what, I mean, and then what, you know, well, everybody is doing it. So that's uh, you know, okay, let's do that. Qualified plans, qualified plans, qualified plans, the assumptions, well, even in the whole financial framework, but keep going. I don't want to interrupt, but you're covering a lot of ground here in 15 minutes. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> but that's I, I think that's a problem is that I don't think the financial professional really has an articulated identity and I think that if a, a client you know a 
sort of dogged, you know, deliberate, intentional client were to push the average financial professional on just what they do, I don't know that they'd be super satisfied with the answer. They wouldn't, but I, I think the average financial professional um, believes they have a very clear identity. And it's very wrapped up into exactly, you know, their philosophy, whether it's by term insurance yeah. and invest the difference. So I'm in love with the market or whatever, whatever that investment may be. And then how do I get the tax deduction today to do that? Or, you know, the real estate uh, or the private equity guy, you know, it's all equities. And then it's like, you know, an asset allocation, you know, sure. a dynamic model. Um, I think that they have, in their mind, a very particular identity. But if the consumer pushed them on it, I think it would get uh, verbally a little bit muddied. Yes, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my point is, like, I think it's all about capital. It's all about, like, there's a sense in which that it's almost, that's what finance to, to, to succeed it, it, financially, it's like kind of what that is. Nothing's going to happen without capital. Yeah. Zero in the economic world. Zero is going to happen without capital. Yeah. Period. And so like, if that's true, if that's what it means to, like if financial goals are capital goals, well, then there's, you know, what dimensions of the... Uh, what dimensions are there of capital? Well, there's quality and quantity. How much of it do you have? And what's the nature of your access to and control over it? Right? And it's, sure. th then it's about maximizing and doing so in a dynamic long-term I mean, you end up at IBC. That's just if where it goes. If you're looking for all the solutions, right, you absolutely end up at IBC. Or your... Um, operating off of preconceived ideas whether they're original to you or they've been formed or you know um modified by others yeah no question or the well i'm going to do something else instead oh yeah kind they're of idea you know that yeah. so sort of failing to distinguish investing and capitalizing uh, and you know it's interesting too uh i mean you've covered a lot of ground so i mean how, why you know verbally or, you know, how, why do you think the increase in your business and, and the, um, and the, you know, your general well being has increased professionally? And you, the theme of what you kind of said was it's more of an educational process, you know, your mechanic series. And then here, you know, that you're on here at least 50% of the time, more than that. We're talking about life. We're talking about all kinds of things, but we're both life insurance agents, um, practitioners, personally practicing the infinite banking concept. And and I've said it many times. I think the best banking policies, quote unquote, come through this office. Um, so we're I'm a salesman, right? You're you're a salesperson, but we don't get on here and say, oh, here you got to go buy this or you got to go buy that. You know, it's consider this, consider that. Um, I mean, this is not a sales uh, platform. No. You know, it's like, it's not marketed. We don't track you down. We don't, uh, you know, stalk you. No click funnel. Everybody else does, you know, all the other <laughs> infinite banking or infinite banking concepts, not 
you know, the, the, the people that don't want to give Nelson Nash credit or they want to take credit for this great idea or they want to take credit for the improvement. Now, they'll stalk you for watching because, you know, just type in Banking with Life and see all the ads that come up. Mm-hmm. And, and they kind of rotate. So I guess sometimes they're, they don't have as much money in one month as they do in another month. I don't know. But my point being is it's educational. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, I like the, that you mentioned the private equity guy. Mm-hmm. I was just this Who week. Who I really enjoyed talking with. Absolutely. Yeah. Had a conversation, several conversations this week. And because we do provide service, you know, we actually do provide service. Um, but in some of the service that has been provided over the last couple of weeks that led up to the conversation that I had this week within the office was the investment. How many investment professionals, investment advisors, you know, uh, hedge fund managers, like your guys, private equity guy, like we have a lot of them as clients. Yeah. A lot. Well, they have, they have a problem. Like if they're successful, mm-hmm. then that's a lot of cash flow, <laughs> and it's it's not like particularly easy a particularly easy case to accommodate because mm-hmm. it's cash flows all over the place yeah. at different times with different degrees of predictability. Yeah, and so it's, to build something opt quote unquote optimally suited to accommodate as much of that as possible, I can do that all day long, sir. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're fun. Yeah, that's a more engaging creative case because it's and they have to expand their thinking too, just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But then you also talked about designations and uh, affiliations, primarily the designation. You know, and I'm like, why? And and I ask that on purpose because I've got a lot of designations, affiliations, and I've let some go that I don't want to participate in anymore. And I was asked early on, it's like, why are you doing all that? I'm like, I just want, I, I want to be knowledgeable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm still a student of my faith, right? My profession. Um, and that's part of knowledge in the profession. Not necessarily that you do whatever it is they, you know, not, 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 not necessarily buying into that model of financial planning where it's all accumulation in the equities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um but it shows that someone's a student, I think, if they participate in those things. Sure, yeah. Right? And you'll accidentally learn something, even if you learn what not to do. If you're, if you're trying, you know, making an effort. Um, well, it's always good to know what, what's out there, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, just what, what the current, what people are saying. I just think there's so much opportunity to, you know, take the idea of capital, monetary value of assets, and port it on into the world of financial planning. I mean, it, it's essentially it's, IBC, but it's, it's polar opposites: the financial planning model and the infinite banking concept. Yeah, we had a, a friend recently ask what uh, what ask asked us both uh-huh. what my thoughts were on you know a, a, a certain kind of market portfolio that he wanted to put together. a dividend portfolio yeah. is what he was potentially interested in building yeah All right. and so this, this is another change that I've noticed over the, over the last year but over the last five in general is just a growing intolerance for on your part oh yeah <laughs> I'm just and it's, I, I'm not you know 
and I've had clients ask the same question, you know, what do you think about the market? And it's like, well, I'm not securities licensed, can't give investment advice, don't want to, don't need that government permission slip, you know. So these aren't any recommendations, but I've got economic background, so I'll tell you what I think economically. And uh, yeah, it's a cartelized casino without the, you know, the alcohol and the, you know, the, the concerts and the food that you get at an actual casino. Uh, plus, you know, you get the lie that it's what's going to provide for your late life passive cash flow. Is that how you responded to that gentleman? I don't know if, it's ex- if that's exactly <laughs> what I said, but there's certainly along the same line. Right. It's like, I'm not interested. Look, you got money in the market and I understand people have, and I think sometimes people who have listened to the podcast are like scared to tell me that they've got market holdings. And it's like, Look, we all, whether you're, whether you like the market or you don't, it's kind of beside the point, you know, at, at the end of the day, we've all made financial decisions in the past that maybe would be different now if we knew then what we know now. Uh, and so we come with what we have and because, because of the nature of the financial profession, we do end up, and we've talked about it before, we do end up with this, a lot of people end up with this sort of patchwork piecemeal collection of gra- like a grab bag of different financial assets. A lot of people, was, 99% of the people that I've sat down with over the last 31 years. Yeah. And why is that? You know, they go to they go to work, they have benefits at a particular job, they change jobs, they may have a different type of benefits, where there may be a 401k, there may be a profit sharing, there may be a cash balance, their brother-in-law maybe sells insurance or investments, um, and then their, their brother, their sister, their mother, their whomever. They accumulate all these things and they're not, uh, necessarily uh, congruent, you know. They're they're not consistent. It's like, well, I'm, I I don't have a clear path forward. Yeah, I no- just know that I need to save more money, so I'll do this and then I'll do that and then I'll do that, and it's all, you know. I mean, that's so that's how you wind up with all these different things, and it's not always bad, but um, man, that's exactly what you want. You want to accumulate a bunch of different things that are that are. <laughs> That are like I said, not congruent, not necessarily consistent together, not necessarily working together, um, and it can be, you know, the the more successful you are, the more complicated it can be. Yeah. And uh, when you get into passive income time, simplicity is a virtue. Mm. It's just like you're buying all this real estate, and if you want to manage real estate, great. But maybe your spouse doesn't when you graduate. I don't know. Yeah. And I like these. Uh, you know, I've talked to him in the past, and. Uh, not in the past. I mean, this one case comes to mind out in California. Very successful, right? Older gentleman, had some children. He discovers the infinite banking concept. Oh my gosh, he's all in. And uh, anyway, we put some policies in force. But his problem, and he knew it, he over the years came to recognize the problem You've been in real estate, and you have all these 1031 exchanges. Mm. Well, who do you think you're piling up that tax liability on, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, mm. substantial. So he's like, James, will you, know, will you help me unwind this? And I'm like, sure. Um, you got to have an exit strategy for that. It's kind of like all the cash balance plans on that Pete Whitman series that you know we released here lately. It's like... The most powerful part of that, I believe, is the exit strategy. So you might want to go back and listen to that part one and two. I don't know what part I mentioned that in. Okay. But then, so the guy becomes a client, right? And it, now we're years away. Not, I mean, we're not unwinding these things right now. It's just a problem that's on the horizon mm-hmm. or something to deal with, okay? 
and I'm not necessarily it's all bad. I'm not saying that at all. But you're piling up the 1031 exchanges, one property profits into another profit, into another profit, into another profit. It, it reminds me of a of a guy who retired from as a lineman for like a, a utilities company and gets into the insurance business, you know, and and uh, his theme was I'm going to tax defer forever. OK, <laughs> yeah, you ain't living forever, brother. Uh Anyway, and, and I, you know, really didn't get the opportunity. I'm not going to have the opportunity to work with that guy because I fired him. Because after he became a client. The right, one who had the 1031s all built up? Yeah, it's substantial. And I assure you, the people that he works with now doesn't have the ability, the acumen, or the knowledge, or the skill, or their ability to really help him like he should be. I fired him. Why, why'd you fire him? I'm glad you asked. Because... <laughs> uh, I got an email. So, you know, he was expanding his system, and we're using different people that he had insurable interest in. It's beautiful. I mean, we don't do, in my office, Ryan's office, we don't do marginal work. Okay, we don't practice on you. We don't build things and hope it works out for you. Now, you can break anything, <laughs> right? You, you can build a beautiful structure and break it, no question, but you got to make an effort. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because, and it kind of ties back into the first question that I asked you. Okay. He, he uh, sent an email and he said, oh, well, I'm not going to do, we're, so we're expanding in the system, right? And with people that he has insurable interest in. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't want to go forward with that. I'm going to do something different. I'm like, well, okay. He said, I've learned the truth. Oh. Oh. What was the truth? Uh, that a particular structure is the only way to do infinite banking. Yeah. Because my base was too high, uh-huh. which course. was appropriate for him. Yeah. It's not like, I don't even remember what it was. I'm like, have fun, partner. Bye-bye. Mm. See ya. So, um, I won't go off the rail too far. My point here is I believe you're doing better is because you're not focusing on all of the noise mm-hmm. in the industry. Um, not just new people coming into the industry. You know, everybody wants to, you see it all over Facebook, you see it all over social media, all these entities, IMOs, recruiting, life insurance agents. You can make all this money and you can do all these things and you can help all these people. And it's, uh, it's like a modern-day 1950s uh, marketing method. Mm-hmm. It's just now on social media. And my point here is you, you're you successful, and most people in this industry are successful, from my experience and my observation, is uh, the reason is they're not focused on what's in it for you. And I understand capitalism. You know, it's like you did the mechanic series, you know, the ulterior motive. You were tired of answering the same questions <laughs> over and over. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying uh, uh, there's not uh, a desire to be better, to earn more, to do better, to do more. Of course that exists. But the focus was not solely on that. Yeah. Making more money. No. I've said it before, too. If the idea was just to make more money, I wouldn't be be on Wall Street or something. No kidding. Be a lawyer, a personal. Then you need a guy like me to put all those capital cash flows somewhere. (laughs) And you you go look on Wall Street. I I wonder how many of them really talk about it publicly, what they do privately with their own money. Yeah, well, probably not many at all. No. Well, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for letting me go on that rant. Um, And then, speaking of service, I got to break this out. 
Now, I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to give all the details here. All right, it's Christmas, you know, the kind of gifts that I like, because uh, I love giving gifts, no question. But every now and then, you know, you, you, you get a little gift, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, unexpected. Okay, here's one. It's like, uh, from a client. So it says, hey, James, pretty happy and uh, kind of excited today. This came in this week. He says, so I bought my first policy in December 2019 with a big four company. And then a couple of policies from you with another company, as you may remember. Of course I remember. Um, so today, I just slayed the last dragon <laughs> and dragons, mortgages. And this gentleman carried substantial mortgages on, uh, well, not just like private homes. Or, I mean, he's a real estate guy. Anyway, they were substantial dragons. Mm. Obviously, using policy loans right now. Now, I see the policy as a debt obligation also. So, I'm, you know, hoping to recapture the debt um, as cash value at some point in due course. So, at least he, he, he has a realistic expectation of a timeline. Yeah. Right? So, we're in the beginning. This is only three years in. Right? Here we are, December 2022. Right? Mm-hmm. And he slayed all of them. Now, I know that. Is not necessarily as impressive to you because you don't know what all of his snakes and dragons were. I'm telling you, they were substantial. Okay, so trust me, take my word for it. Okay, um, from Nelson's book explaining the interest rate increases and inflation in the '80s. Well, I think we're here again. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and then he goes on. He said, "So I thought I would prevent the pain of all that by leveraging the." the cash values and getting rid of the dragons. So I'm the banker. So I got to make my own decisions. You know, he gets to make the decisions. I love that. Um, so he's hundred percent free of the snakes and dragons, but he knows he has a debt obligation to the life insurance company. Oh, wait a minute. He controls those cash flows. Oh my gosh. And he, it's a mutual company. So he's going to enjoy the, the indirect profitability of the company by directly supporting the profitability of the life insurance company. Now, is that difficult? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's not double speak. It's straightforward. If I own a life insurance policy with a mutual company, then I, the policyholder, get to enjoy the results or some of the results of the financial experience of the company in the form of a dividend. So if they're profitable in one year, they share that profitability with the policyholders through a dividend. It's their financial experience, right? So if I'm paying them a loan interest rate, they're going to be profitable. It's not a bad loan. 100% collateralized by the cash base. Yeah. Solid business. Okay. In a tax-free environment, we might add. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, all of those loans, none of these loans were taxable income, right? So I was just taking a few minutes to reflect on the last four years. It's actually, you know, yeah, his four-year time period, but three years. We started one policy in 2019 with another company that we did not replace. Said, you know what? That is what it is, and here's how that works, and this is why you should keep it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and then here are the limitations. Here's what it's not. And <clears throat> with what you're doing and where you're at, you might consider this. And he did. And he continued. Um, so, taking a few minutes to reflect on the last four years, when I get to year seven or ten, you know, I'm thinking that'll be fun also. <laughs> 
I bet it will. <laughs> so I thought I'd let you know, and also thank you for you and your personal help, friendship, and team support. I assure you, you and the team are greatly appreciated. You know, guys like this and all of, all of our clients, all of our people need service every now and then. Yeah. You know? You're going to do it alone, and I'm I'm not. I don't want this to happen to you all the time, and I don't want to be put in that this position. But you know, if you if you live in uh, one state and you happen to have uh, property in overseas, um, or you're banking overseas, or you're traveling, uh, I can give you scenarios. Uh, you live in Florida, but you have uh, land in Guam or Puerto Rico or whatever, and you happen to be in France, mm. and your agent's closing on a deal in Guam. Mm-hmm. You know, these life insurance companies have to deal with U.S. banking laws, international banking laws, anti-money laundering. You know, it's like you're in France trying to initiate a loan for a property in a bank in Guam, really, but you live in Florida. Do you think that would send up red flags? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, too, the life insurance companies need the agents to provide the service, too, because they're more than happy to drop the ball there. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. I got an email one time and said, James, uh, you know, I'm talking to friends and all my friends get these lightning fast loans from company A, B, and C. And, you know, and it's like, it's not happening here. And I'm like, oh, whoa, oh, yeah, you didn't do this or that. I'm not trying to blame them, but it's like, now let's get things right. That company A, B, and C do not have lightning fast loans. Yeah. And uh, this or that box wasn't checked, and you know whether it's off. I'm not even trying to lay blame. Just like correct the problem, right? There's Make plenty the that happen. needs to be done on the back end that Ugh. never surfaces yeah. to make it all go smooth. But, you know, and going back to that idea of the piecemeal patchwork kind of deal, you talk about the inconsistency. I think the, the word is incoherence. There's an incoherence to most people's financial plan if they have one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, and there's always some degree of dependence baked in too. It's all on the employer. And I love this. I have a, a client, uh, she was at the event uh, that we did in October and she works for a small company and they do heating and it might be heating and air type work too. And the company was bought out. New owners are coming in and the new owners want to bring in a new tax qualified plan program. Sure. And they got to propose it to the small employees and they need a certain participation. Well, there's only like four employees. So they need either three of the four or all four to participate. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, maybe I'm not interested. You know, how about I just pay me more? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but that, you see the development and that thing, because even people who, the idea of IBC, the, the principles that come through in becoming your own banker, you know, the independence, the even the, the Christianity, the sovereignty, all of these concepts that come through and becoming your own banker, for even for the people for with whom those kind of things resonate, oftentimes we still don't reflect on the nature of the dependence on the employer and how integral this employer is to our own financial plan, like what we're doing for ourselves. And so I'll have people, and I know you do, who start IBC, pay substantial premium, and, you know, it's a it's a learning process from there, you know, in into the second, third, fourth round of expansion to reconsider those tax-qualified plan holdings, to reconsider the, the ongoing contributions. And some choose to continue, and some don't. And some will partially liquidate, some will fully liquidate to pay premium, but... 
there's a you can see a fundamental shift in how someone considers these conventional patchwork piecemeal type of approaches and i think the reason is is because it's fundamentally incoherent there's a and and what you get in nelson in 92 simple little pages is this coherent plan where it's not not so much a plan like it's restrictive and you have to do x y and z it's like a formula there's just there's a, a strategy there's an approach there's a methodology to it that hangs together dynamically like for now and in five years and in 25 years and in 50 years it all hangs together and it scales like it gets better as you go you know that there's something so elegant to that it's like who wouldn't want who wouldn't want that only only the people who don't know I don't want to say don't understand but only the people who don't know they're just not aware yeah right either because they have not ever, you know, just been exposed to it, um, or they're making decisions based on someone else's misconception when yeah. it comes to life insurance, just because you mentioned the word life insurance, right? I don't know how many times over the years, like, well, you know, in just finding the words to verbalize the value mm. of a life insurance policy, a dividend paying whole life insurance policy, and all life insurance policies are not the same. All right. Um, permanent is permanent. And I'm not talking about universal index, universal life or variable life or any of that. And uh, but to verbalize the, the totality of the power, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Well, it's like a forced savings. OK, well, if that is what you know, uh, resonates with you or motivates you to continue paying a premium in those unknown times of like, well, is this company really going to do what it says it's going to do or what it's illustrated to do? Or, you know, the future is unknown, um, which uh, of course it's unknown. It also speaks to the the beauty of a life insurance. It's the whole construct, the characteristics of, uh, of a, a dividend-paying life insurance policy. I don't have to know the future. Mm-hmm. I can't know the future. But I do know that more is better if it's good. <laughs> okay? And I also know that I'm going to have a need for capital in the future. I can't tell you necessarily the dollar amount that I'm going to need. You know, we can all, going back to the financial planning, you know, we can sit down with a financial guru and use arbitrary numbers because that's exactly what it is. Well, how old are you, John? Well, I'm this age. When are you going to retire? I don't know, but we got to pick a number. Mm-hmm. Well, you can take Social Security here, here, and here, or your pension plan, you know, 20 years and age blah 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 okay it's still an arbitrary number because i don't know you know yeah. well how much you're going to need in retirement i don't know but we got to <laughs> pick an arbitrary number well based on what you earn now you know and your income is going to go down but then we got to factor in inflation okay well what what number do we want what, what discount factor do we want to use for inflation uh, i don't know either that's between now and retirement well how long are you going to leave when, when you retire i don't know another arbitrary number what inflation rate do we use you know, what's your life expectancy compared to your spouse's life expectancy? I, I don't know. All of these arbitrary numbers go into a magical black box, and you're going to pay me 250 or $500 back in the day, and I'll spit out a, a financial plan. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to me that that really ever worked. 
I mean, it's like, that's, <laughs> you're being gen- that, if it ever worked, you're generous. How is that compelling at all? I mean, th- and as you were going through that too, that there's a sense in which IBC even solves for the failings of those plans because 59 and a half comes around. You can finally get to the money. 72. Now you've got to take the money. Well, it's got to go somewhere too. Yeah. What? I don't know. I've said it before. I don't know how many clients I have, I have clients in the, into their nineties now. Mm. Okay. And back in the day when they turned 70 and a half, 72 today, hopefully, I think it's going to change 75. There's building the Congress. There's no telling what the criminals in Washington are going to do. Um, but it won't be for your benefit, okay? As much <laughs> as they say it is, it's not going to be. Okay. They're like 70 and a half. James, I don't, I don't want this money. I, I don't want to pay taxes mm-hmm. on this money. Well, you can give a certain amount away, you know, straight from there and avoid taxes. So, okay, well, I want to leave it to my children, my grandchildren. Well, you can either take it out now and, you know, and give it to him. Uh, no, no, you are going to take a minimum amount out now, but I don't want to. Yeah. And then there's others, too, that, you know, it's like, well, you know, I got to start taking it 59 and a half because I didn't save enough money because I didn't have a plan. Oh, man. Because it wasn't. I had, a, I had a client, I have to say this, and likewise fired, mm. but uh, mid-60s. Early 60s, early 60s, late 50s, like just approaching, had a, maybe a million dollars in some in tax qualified, some in non-qualified plans. Uh, married, spouse didn't work by choice. He worked not, you know, at that age, given his career history, not a super high income. I think it was like 100, 120. They had a million together. Had a, yeah, had a million together. They were doing something. To my mind, late 50s, early 60s, and planning to live on that, I mean, it... And then they get, you know, they fight IBC. I'm like, look, there's a way to use what you've accumulated to put it into life insurance to provide some sort of passive tax-free cash flow that'll last you longer than you're going to live. And that with social security will provide a good living for you. Not like what you've got now. Um, but to do that, I mean, you gotta be fairly aggressive. Like we need to move the money now Ooh. and start going. I mean, you could do less if you want, but all the numbers get lower yeah. and we're already at a low relative to what you think you've got. There wasn't a combination approach, I and mean, I'm not, you know, I don't get into the details we've, of your solution. I mean, but. We, we've, we're going to phase the money in over time, yeah. for sure, but in a, but all the money. All of it. I mean, he could back up, and I told him, we, we don't have to do all, could, and it's going to be over whatever it was, seven years. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do all, but all the numbers, all the other numbers get lower. So it's, and we're already low. So did you fire him or did he just say, nah, I'm not doing that? He kept fire about the internal rate of return and the policy. Yeah. And, and I'm like, he clearly wasn't uh, engaging in the material that we put out. You know, yeah. wasn't, inter- wasn't doing what was necessary to, for him to understand why we would do why we would take the approach we did. And it just, it hurts. I mean, you see, where there's been no coherent plan. Mm-hmm. There's been no systematic accumulation of capital anywhere. And then the the preconceived fallacious ideas about how what little has been gathered, how long that will last yes. later in life, that is, 
I'm looking at it, I'm like, what you think this is going to do yeah. is not what it's going to do. That's like, I don't know how long ago that was, but you're not. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I know everybody wants to beat up the market when it's down. The same people who want to jump all over the market when it's up, right? But um, I see daily, you know, equities and people in their portfolios, and um, you know, every case is different. That case might have, you know, I don't know the details of that. That might have been better for them to move everything, right? Okay, so I'm not saying that that's always the case, but <clears throat> whenever. Uh, some people have a misunderstanding just like this money is this amount of money in 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 the vehicle that it's in all of the vehicles that it may be in is not going to deliver what you expect there's going to be a point in time of fail in the future he had no and the the whole reason this all started was because of what's been going on in the markets lately yeah he lost like 20 30 percent yeah that's that's where i was going so if it was a million was it a million two or a million three or is it now that was after the fact yeah after the the hits yeah and late 50s early 60s i'm like this is happening two three more times in your while, retirement while you're living yeah. in retirement when you're not generating new income yeah and that i could just tell when i said it in the, by the sound on the other side of the phone that just didn't there was not an understanding yeah. of what that meant that it's, it's like that means the value you think you have is open to the business cycle. Oh, no And the idea that that's going to work in your favor. Uh, You know, for someone who plans to go to a fixed income to not continue to generate cash, it's like that is not, that won't work. Like this is the story of the impoverishment of middle class, older people who have that pension defined benefit mindset. And the lowest interest rate environment ever. With money supply shooting through the roof. Now we're coming out of it artificially. So, oh, inflation's going to go through the roof. Thinking that that that's going to work. And that's why they're there. Like, I got to have my money in equities because I got to outpace inflation and taxation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get backed further and further (laughs) into that fight or flight corner. The the equities guy and the equity, the financial gurus and the the financial professionals, I'm not disparaging, right? It's it's like, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that like Las Vegas, one of, them uh, has shows and dinner and you know i always ask you know what the difference is between wall street and las vegas right one's in the desert <laughs> right and so i'm going to go to the financial guru with all these arbitrary numbers and they're invariably going to tell me the younger i am the more risk or exposure to risk i have to have and as i get older you know i'm going to move to a 60 40 portfolio use these target date funds right and all you're doing is adjusting the mixture of equities and fixed bonds you know right um okay so um and then too the four percent rule is what kind of you're alluding to earlier you got a million dollars you know at age 65 if you have a million dollars they have a four percent rule that's what it takes now to not go broke and have income for the rest of your joint life and mm, okay well the guy who invented that just had a printout that i'm going to reference it was an extension to my 2022 october 15th talk uh anyway that creator of the 4% rule says now it's 4.7%. And you can go on and on down that road of what kind of income can you take from this portfolio of a million dollars to survive, right? And it's like, mm, yeah, no. 
And then it's taxable income, not all of it, you know, because generally everybody has a mixture of qualified, non-qualified. Right. Oh, okay. Um, there may be a better alternative. And then when you talk to people like a year or two ago when the markets were booming and you lay this out, all of their buddies are staying in the market because they're, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25% rate to return, right? And then you like casually, you know, your clients understand what you're talking about and showing them and they're like, okay, I'll, I'll come out of the market and I'll do it this way, that way, and that way. And then they get browbeaten by their colleagues. Yeah. And it's like life insurance or annuities or what? Look at the market. Now come forward 18 months or 24 months. And it's like, not only are you ahead of where you were, you're greatly ahead of where you would have been and all your colleagues. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, what are you doing? Who's that guy you're talking to? Why in Texas? You know, it's like, you're wherever, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, wherever. Why, why in Texas? Look at all these financial gurus that you're jumping over to go talk to some slow speaking, non English individual, you know, it's like, Oh, because of this right here. Yeah. And it's all going to happen again. No way. Yeah. No, it's only it's over. It's all all the bad stuff's behind us. It's all clear skies ahead of us. <laughs> all right, that's what I got. That's all you got, man. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't want to talk about the interest rates, the dividends. Interest rates are going up. Yeah, so dividends will eventually come up. Yeah, loan interest rates will go up. Uh, there is all sorts that we could talk about. You could get me on that. Now nah, we can talk yeah. about it. It's, uh-huh. it's fine, man. We've been going an hour or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but higher than illustrated dividends are going to create problems for people with uh, policies with very little to the base. Yeah. No way. Mm. Okay, well, I'm good. We'll, we'll save the interest rate and dividend scales and loan interest we'll rate for it. another time, huh? <laughs> for next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Yeah. I had fun. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.